everybody. Welcome back to Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. And this episode, oh, I'm Lisa Rowland. Yeah, you are. You're still Lisa Rowland. That's Ted DeMaison. I'm still Ted. And this episode is actually a continuation of the last one. So if you're just joining us, you are joining us in the middle of a conversation with Dan O'Connor, who has just written a book called Life Unscripted. It is all about using improv principles to get unstuck, boost confidence, and transform your life. So we, we just got right into it. Our guess is you probably listened to the first half. If you didn't, we encourage you to go do it. But if you want to start here, great. Yeah. We'll jump right into the conversation, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Away we go. So you mentioned stickiness, man, and, and like if you've got an hour, you go in like maybe you know you're gonna get a little something or other that will hold. So when in the work that I've done along these lines, the two stickiest ideas that I've seen, both for myself, and like I experienced them that way, but I've also seen them have the effect on other people, uh, are the ideas of growth mindset from Carol Dweck at Stanford that either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset about learning. If you're fixed, you think your intelligence is stuck and you have to play the hand you're dealt with by your DNA, right? Growth mindset says you can learn. So that's that's one idea that... As soon as people get that notion, get to play with a little bit, like I could go back years later and there's still, that thought still comes up for them. And the other is the second circle work from Patsy Rodenberg. And this happened when I learned from Joe at Impro Theater in LA, I had this two hour little window and it just stayed with me for years. And so those two things like, whoop, I could, you give me an hour, I'll teach you those two things. You'll think about them for years. You may not integrate them fully, but they'll stay with you. Is there anything, is there another sticky thing that you think in your book that's like, oh yeah, this one, if we give people this little truth or wisdom, and it, it pulses of... going forward into their future? The the thing, we, we try, if we have time, we'll, we'll do some type of second circle. But we usually start, um, I usually start with a game called Advanced Color Emotion, mm-hmm. ACE. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, get people to tell a story that they've told a, tons of times, but then have somebody be their story coach. And at the end of every sentence, say to them either advance, which is to continue to tell a story, color, which is to talk about the details. You know, was it hot? Was it cold? What was she wearing? Uh, what did the food taste like? And then emotion. And what it does is, number one, it gets people, um, which is a classic corporate training tool, which is to get people to talk about themselves because they can feel the difference when they talk about themselves and when they talk about work. Mm. If there's if there's a great disparity in that, it's something to look at because, well, do you not care about that? Are you not invested? Or what are the things that that don't hold there? But I digress. The 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 uh, the thing about ACE is it gets the other person to be actively engaged in whatever the story is. Uh-huh. And that person will then tell the story in a way they've never told it before because they have somebody going, oh, color, what, what did the park look like? Tell me more about this. Tell me more about this. Yeah. And that person has probably refined that story to kind of a PowerPoint-y place yeah. because they've told it so many times. Right. They've figured out how so to tell a, it. This is a true story. Yes, a true story. Yeah. I tell the story about when I proposed to Edie. That's, I, I've now told that story 500 times, yeah. but I've told it 
500 times differently because I've usually had a different story coach or a different time, whatever, when I'm doing it as a, as a demo. And the, the thing that comes up for people is, oh, there's all these other opportunities in the story that I don't use because I've decided that they aren't important. However, my listener mm. has, wants to know more about this stuff and I'm creating rapport. And good story, and I, and I think we say this in the book, we definitely say it when we teach, Good narrative creates oxytocin in the brain. Mm. It makes you feel good. That's cool. And is that true? That's true. Yeah, what well, is that true? Like you're making shit up. <laughs> um, well, he is. And you, sure, but... and you grow wings, <laughs> uh, which is really? amazing. It's really incredible. good story makes you an angel. Uh, <laughs> the idea that's that cool. that real engagement and what and one of the things that happens almost every time I teach it is I'll cut it off usually before everybody is finished mm -hmm. and then switch partners. But both times, um, there'll be an, oh, oh, and and I'll say, well, you can talk to them on the break because people want to hear the end of the story. Yeah. Mm. People, they, they're engaged. They, they're engaged. They, they feel the need to be present. Yeah. So that's that's one thing that, cool. that I, I've done a bunch of. And, yeah. But anything to get people to... Be human. Um, to get people to be human, I taught. I taught a group of engineers recently. <laughs> I will not say what company they were at, um, but it was very funny because I introduced um, an an old improv game, Enemy Defender, at yeah. the top. Which, for those of you who don't know what Enemy Defender is, basically you look around the circle, you pick somebody in your head who is going to portray your enemy for the sake of the exercise, and somebody who is your defender. And when the coach says go, you try and keep your defender between you and your enemy. And it is chaos. And people are laughing and having a great old time. Very dynamic game. It's, it's a very dynamic game. It gets people into second circle like that yep. because they have to be present. And then you switch it around, eventually doing different variations and different people. And when I <laughs> taught this group of engineers recently, uh, two of the guys, and they happen to be in the same class, which was just my luck, one guy, very tall guy, he was listening to the instructions and he, he was very first circle, not giving anything out. In fact, he was kind of bent. He looked like a shepherd's crook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he went, that's not going to work. <laughs> and I went, I know it's not going to work. That's why it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And he went, okay. And then another guy <laughs> was going, no, no. And I said, okay, everyone go. And he just was, he was playing the game, but he kept going, no, 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 no. And because the chaos for somebody who is- Broke his system. Broke his system. Yeah. And and I wanted to, uh, but there was no time. And I, and I regret it. I wish I had grabbed him because he dashed out of the class. Um, I wish I'd grabbed him and go, and this sounds like sort of like- um, cult training because i wanted to say to him the reason why this terrifies you is exactly the reason why you should do it amen to that yeah. uh, you know because this is you're looking to build a skill set that's beyond the skill set that you currently have so that you're able to engage if you want to make advancement and go into management or whatever it is you need to be able to play there's a certain amount of play in human interaction and if you shut it off completely you'll just be given things to do because you you're not I'm making a massive sweeping generalization, <laughs> yeah. but sweep away, Dan. Yes, sweep but, away. but but to me, in this little microcosm in that particular class, the the that guy needed to do more. He yeah. was he was actually 
the guy that I wanted to reach yeah. in mm. the class. And there, you know, there's very interesting conversations. I got into a conversation with a woman who was like, yes, but is sometimes very helpful. And I went, okay, let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's sure. unpack it. Because yeah. your experience is, you know, you you get rid of the bad ideas right away. Yeah, you need to hone hone the good Don't stuff. waste your time on Don't that. waste your time on the ideas that, but, you know, real brainstorming is about, okay, well, let's take this crazy idea. What else could come out of it? Oh, look, the real idea has now emerged from this arc of crazy mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that we now have something that is applicable and yeah. that makes sense. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I try to get people to be present for each other. And also... Nobody wants to perform, and I think a lot of a lot of this type of work, when it's done in corporations, uh, is perceived as oh, they're going to make me be a tree. Totally. You know, they're going to make they're going to make me they're going to make a fool of me. They're going to make, make me f- make a fool of myself. Right. Yeah. So the more you can get people to understand, no, we're just we're just going to talk to each other. It's just paying attention to yeah. each other. Really, is what we're yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody has to perform. I'm. I will confess. I do ask people to be a tree. Do you? I do. So. I'm just going to go on record. Because you play I am a tree? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but, but, but I'm talking more in, the, in the, uh, uh, the idea of some sort of, you know, group theater oh, right. exercise. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and I also, I wouldn't do that on the first day. Or I should say I wouldn't do that without having established some safety around right. failure, relationship to failure and spontaneity yeah. and all that stuff too. Yeah. I... Um, once taught enemy defender and had a woman just stop in the middle and was like, it's impossible. It can't be done. I'm not playing. And I was like, let's look at that. (laughs) That's fascinating. All right. But it's the same thing, but I don't think it was like an engineer, like I need to figure this out. It was like a, if I can't win this, I'm not going to do it. Right. It was, it felt super ego-y and like, I'm not going to be made to play something that is unwinnable sort of. It was really intense. And it, it just, yeah, it comes down to this, like, what if you just get comfortable adjusting? Right. I love that both of them. <laughs> what if you can live in the adjustment part of it? When you're describing this, these people who are resistant to the exercise you're proposing, those moments for me as a teacher are really tough because I have like my initial defensiveness or judgment of the person like, oh, come on, just relax, yeah. come up. But then the improviser side of me is like, well, how do I yes and this? So yeah. I'm gonna, here's an offer and how do I accept this and build it? And both of you just naturally... It sounds like went into inquiry, like oh, hmm, you know, a curiosity, like okay, tell me more about that. Oh, that's why you're in this room is for this moment, right? And, <laughs> and that, that that to me looks like it comes out of your improv training of just years of here's a situation, let's go further, right? Uh-huh. And I think that to what Lisa was saying earlier, because I feel like some applied improv that people go, no, this is the answer. They get a response like that and they go, no, this is why, this is why it should work for you. This is what this is for. This is, this is what this is for, as opposed to, I mean, there are however many billion people on the planet, you, everybody's going to have a different response to stuff and being able to, okay, well, what's this story now? Mm. What's the story between that woman and Lisa? And I, I totally copped to, I, when I first started doing it, of being Mr. Fix-It and not doing, as Joe would say, stop, challenge, choose which is just to go, okay, this is happening. I, I, what's, what are the facts here and how can, we, how can we proceed? How can I yes and her negativity? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there is, I, I've had this experience with actors more so than with corporate clients. 
I, I've had actors who fight, fight. What is that? What? And you're, you're like, God, this, this student, I never want to teach this student again. Yeah. And at the end of the class, they come over and go, that was one of the best classes I've ever had. <laughs> and you're going, why didn't you demonstrate that at any point during this? Why were you so, such a pain in the ass? Such a pain in the ass. One of the, one of the principals at clown camp that I was telling you about in the car a little bit is he, he encourages us to practice cynical benevolence. So he goes, if I'm describing something and there's this part of your brain that's like, oh, this is bullshit. Or like, are you serious? Give me a break. He's like, that's fine. I don't need you to believe in it. I don't need you to love it or like it or want to do it. But you'll be in a far better place to reject it if you've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> so try it and then do whatever the fuck you want with it. It's That's such a great piece of advice. And it's so, I mean... I'm sure you guys have experienced this where you're seeing somebody working so hard at being negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are they are losing weight. Yeah. They're working so hard at yeah. being negative. And I want to say, you know, it's much easier to be positive. It's much easier. Way less work for you. Way less work. Be yeah. present. And if you don't like it, you don't have to take it with you. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I'm, I'm making you wear a you know, jumpsuit right. after you finish. <laughs> You can, you can leave with the same clothes you, you yeah, wore, right. take your own belongings. You don't have to you think about this ever again. Ever again. However, there might be a moment, there might be an epiphany, there might be something that um, speaks to you. And uh, I think sometimes, there, sometimes people get stuff right then in the room, in the talk back, uh, when you're tying stuff back that, that I've never thought of. And then there's some people who three months later, I'll get an email going, yeah, I, I just mm. just realized what you were talking about. Yeah. And some people, it was just fun for that day and they're never going to think about it again. Yep. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. I think a lot of that resistance comes from the vulnerability. Like, So when we are human with each other, when we do open up, we come into connection, all of a sudden things become more visible or or accessible. So like now I'm I can feel the sadness or the loneliness that I've been feeling for the last two years and now I'm here with somebody else and that wobble, that creates a wobble in me. So it's like, nah, I don't want to go there. So I'm going to shut down and resist. Yeah, it's like this, la- you know, right? it's like uh, John Stone talks about the people who say yes, go on adventures. People who say no, go uh, re- retain their safety. And it's like, you, if you say yes to whatever's happening in the room, if I say yes to your whatever you're teaching me, I'm taken out of my comfort zone and, it, and I don't know where that's going to lead. And yeah. that uncertainty is so threatening to so many people that it's like, oh, i got to fight all the way to make sure that I'm still on my solid ground. Yeah, so it's like... And it's, this is happening on my terms. It's easy on, on, on one level and it also conjures stuff up that might not be easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so... And I usually do better when I'm teaching, when I remember that and that resistance, like, oh, this resistance might not just be ego yeah. or fighting with me about who's the authority in the room or something like yeah. that. Like, You're afraid oh, maybe, of something. Maybe yeah. something's going on for this person. And maybe it's not. Maybe they're just a jerk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I, I think usually it is something else that is getting stirred yeah. that's uncomfortable to see, you know, or, or to... To bring to the surface. Well, and, and Lisa and I talked about this with regards to her clown stuff. And and I, by the way, I didn't want to bag on group theater games or anything to do with, I, th- I think theater games for actors are great. I don't think you can do them with civilians as successfully because there's not that uh, total radical acceptance. Yes. <laughs> I had the experience of taking a two-week class um, with the National Alliance of Acting Teachers last summer. 
And I had to do some stuff that really challenged my inner cynic. But I just kept going. And one of the things that they said in the, in the acceptance letter was, come to the class as a student. You're all teachers, come to the class as a student. Mm -hmm. And I think so often in life, I mean, I'm, if I was a parent, I think I'd be a student to my kid. Mm -hmm. You know, there is something, nice. you know, you have, to, you have to be willing to learn from it and not assume complete and utter authority over any moment. Yeah, and, and I remember doing things in that class. It's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah, nope. it takes a little more effort to be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Okay. Yeah, and, and there was, I'm gonna do it. There was, a, there were a few moments where I went, I was right. I, I didn't need to do that. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and there were also just as many moments where I went, oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And just the act, I think. And I, I'm hoping this is universal as opposed to just to artists. But I think just the act of allowing yourself to be changed mm -hmm. and, and be vulnerable and go, okay, I, I'm not going to die doing this. So I'm going to do this and experience it and, and not be attached to how do I look what, what does it say if I'm doing this kind of work, yeah. you know? Because mm -hmm. I, I do think still, still to this day, there's that judgment. That's one of the things in the book we talk about is the your buddy, the idea of that um, uh, inner judge who is constantly evaluating, you know, oh, you think you did well on the date? Well, she didn't call you back, you know, that sort of thing where it gets worse and worse uh, in your mind. Like the scene in Swingers with uh, John Favreau. Oh, the phone calls? The phone calls. <laughs> The phone calls just get worse and worse and worse. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've been there, brother. I feel yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I know Steven, what that's Steve, like. Steve Karen talks about uh, his judge, is uh, his buddy, is a guy named Ramon. Uh -huh. uh, Ramon is sitting, sitting in the back of the car as he's driving home going, so you think you did a good show? <laughs> and I, I, What about this moment? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I'm inspired by Stephen talking about that and... Jeff talking about his buddy and these civilian mistakes that he feels horrible about, which really in real life, nobody else nobody is cares. There. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Mm. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that thing of trying to explain, especially to teenagers, it's not all about you. It's, and of course it is all about them at, at that particular point. But, but I think we as adults still have those moments of, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I will never be able to, you know, look that person in the face again because I, I said their name wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> Massive overreaction yes. to tiny things. Yes. Yeah. That's really true, Dane. Yeah. Thanks, Dane. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, shoot. It's all over. It's all over. Yeah. So the, the thing that it totally strikes me about what you're saying, and you mentioned it a long time ago, but it sort of is sticking around, is this idea of relaxing. It's like, just relax. Mm. Relax so you can let more input in. Relax, loose your death grip on controlling this next moment so you can see what this next moment actually is. You don't have to power your way through a path. You can sort of see what happens. Mm. It's okay to, to be in response to something else instead of being solely responsible for everything in your life. Like, there's so much, and this this... Sort of like, oh, relax. You're you're fine. Yeah, Take you're a breath. fine. It, that mistake, you're fine. It's all really totally okay. Mm, yeah, you can chill out. It's like, 
I think that if everybody actually internalized it, that there would be this, ma- people would weep, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it would be this massive outpouring of, of release yeah. because I think that we all hold so much yeah. for this illusion of, of control and staying safe and staying managed and managing my environment, managing myself, managing my feelings, managing my, resp- you know, everything. And it's like, I just, that's a lot of tension. Ma- managing your per- persona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This idea of, oh, I don't do that. Yeah. Managing your script. Yeah. Well, that's, the, that's the thing is like, well, no, you do, you did just do that. That's a mistake. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But you're, maybe you sh- should, your persona should be one of acceptance and relaxation or, or maybe you shouldn't even have a persona. <laughs> maybe you should just be yourself. Maybe you should be someone mm-hmm. yeah. who does some stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, uh, there was something that you said in there that was like, oh, 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 now it's going. <laughs> but, oh, being relaxed. That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. The, the relaxed thing, Edie and I have talked about this a bunch and I've talked about it with my students uh, down in Los Angeles that let's acknowledge the fear. It was one thing that Edie kind of got religion about was, the fear doesn't go away. The fear is always there, but as mm. long as you acknowledge the fear, and and we started talking about that, and I sort of incorporated it into my teaching. Uh, yeah, you're scared. You're on stage without a script, mm-hmm. but uh, that doesn't mean you that's can't. Okay. Have, that's okay. Yeah, and you can make mistakes, and people will make them look make you look great for having done them. Especially about the trust, going back to the Google thing. Um, improv ensembles work well when everybody knows that no matter what happens, somebody is who's going to take, and they're not going to have your back. They're not going to have your back. I, I can't stand that. <laughs> yeah, it drives me. I got your back because what happens is I see improv teams patting each other on the back, and there's no eye contact. Yeah. And got your back, got your back, got yeah. your back, got your back. Got and your it's, back. it might as well be saying sardines, rutabaga. Yeah, right, right. It's and, mean, uh, it feels meaningless. And, and I, I really just want a moment, and Keith talks a lot about this, why do people warm up? Yeah. You know, why don't you just go on stage? I, I do think, for certain, especially if you're doing, you know, literary improv, you do yeah. need to warm up. A couple but, of things. But you also need just to be present for each other. Mm-hmm. If there was some warm-up that just involved getting into second circle together that's the thing that's important to me is like let's just get into this space yeah and be involved in the same thing together yeah. like that's what we need yeah and i have your front too but you can't really say that it doesn't... <laughs> oh, oh i've, I've got, got, got your front you. i've got, got your front you. <laughs> well that was one thing i yeah. learned in the uh, in that class uh with the national alliance of acting teachers was uh hugh o'gorman who's a professor at um, at one of the universities down south. He's an acting teacher and a Chekhov teacher, and he talked about cura per personalis, which is the Jesuit uh, thing, f- Latin for taking care of the whole body. Mm. And I was inspired yeah. by that, because to me, that's the essence of what we do as improvisers. Yeah. We take care of all of you, yeah. which means if you and I are in an ensemble for 20 years, and I don't like this particular attribute of you, and you don't like these things about me, yeah. we're going to accept, that's all still part of the acceptance. I don't get to pick and choose who you are to me on stage. You yeah. are you, yeah. your character or whatever, but, but I'm going to accept, I'm radically gonna play accept, with all of it. I'm going to play with all of it. Yeah. Mm. And I'm going to honor and support all of it. Yeah. I'm going to have the front and the back, yeah. and, uh, and be present for you uh, rather than parsing my my passion for your person. Yeah. Mm. Wow. There you go. Come on. Listen to that. Yeah. Nice. Parsing my passion for your person. That's nice. I just I, I had some alliteration earlier. 
it's kicking in. <laughs> it's like the coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is great. That's so, okay, I have uh, at least one other question because we are sort of coming to the we're getting time. We there. might be wrapping okay. up. As I was reading through, again, I heard a lot of echoes, resonance with what I would think of as mindfulness uh-huh. and the practice of mindfulness of formal meditation and learning to be present in the moment. And I'm wondering if you have any history with mindfulness as as a separate thing from improv or how you see it coming into this work or not? Is it different, distinct, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it is very much in the work. I have never taken a TM class. I've heard Jerry Seinfeld and Howard Stern talk about it at length. And that was actually, uh, and I've, you know, TM I've, being transcendental meditation. Yes. And, and I, I have practiced sporadically. I will go for, you know, 10, 12 days at a time and then get busy and forget about it. And I really have been trying to get back to it because I do feel better uh, when I do meditate. And I've been, I would love to meditate twice a day. That seems like such a a luxury. Mm. But to your question, in spite of my sort of on again, off again relationship with meditation in my personal life, I really feel strongly about mindfulness with regards to improv. Uh, with regards to improvisational theater, because to me, once again, I think we talked about this before, you only have the moment. Mm -hmm. You have nothing else. And yeah, you may drift off from your character. You may not be paying attention to your partner, but just like the bringing the breath, bringing the breath back into the, or focusing on your breath and not your flat tire from yesterday or whatever it was, the same thing is true when you're improvising together. Yeah. The idea that I'm just going to keep coming back to Lisa, keep coming back to Lisa, mm-hmm. and and really listening and stop thinking about the fact that I drifted away for a moment. Or if I do think about it, I'm going to yes and it and double down with, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another thing that Stephen Kieran talks about, which I, I really like, is hide in plain sight. Mm-hmm. You know, if you drifted away, I'm sorry, I was in Cincinnati in my mind for yeah. a moment, you yeah. know, whatever it is. But, but the... I, I would like to learn more, and Lisa and I were talking about this with regards to the two-week thing I did last year and to her recent clown thing, that going and doing something, going and being a student somewhere and being changed and getting that stuff, I would love to do that with with meditation. Mm. I don't know if I could do what Joe McGinley has done, Vipassana. Silent retreats. Yeah, yeah and I think I'd... I wouldn't last a day. I, I, I just am not that person. But I, I have to take the advice of my own. Script a little bit. Script and go. All right, you ten could days. Be that sign me up. Yeah, you might try three before going yeah. to ten. Yeah, which is a possibility. Yeah. So I, I know that I feel better when I meditate. I know that the same feeling I have when I finish meditating is the same feeling I have on a good night of, Interesting. of improv. Of improv. Yeah. There's something, and this happens with scripted material when I've done plays before as well. There's a, there's a thing that happens when you are in flow where uh, the lights go up, you get a suggestion and you go, and all of a sudden it's the curtain call. Yeah. And it's two hours later. Yeah. And you've had this magical time where you've been discovering things and not inventing things. And it's great. And the same thing is true when I've done text based material which is 
that on a good night, if you're really present and you're just in the moment, you're not keeping track of moments because you're in the moment. Mm -hmm. And and on a bad night, the first act lasts two hours and what happened and what was she thinking and what was I thinking and there's all this doubt that gets engaged. And and a bad improv show, uh, I'm sure we've all seen a show where you go, oh, they are really trying to right the ship. They're working. I've been in those shows yeah. where I'm off stage and I'm like, what can I do? Right. How do, what do mm. I do? And I got to push myself on stage instead of feeling pulled onto stage. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that I got from that class last summer was we don't want to see you working. Yeah, right. We don't, we don't mm. care how method your training is. If we're not, we're not here to watch you work. We're here to engage in story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be changed, be transported, yeah, yeah, changed, yeah. And and I think there is, I think when people allow for the magic, like uh, Edie does, a, a one woman, one person, because other people have done it, uh, one person improv show, which is an hour with a couple of suggestions up front, but then there's, I would love to it's watch just, that. It's just her, and one of the things that happens, which I find amazing which is when she gets stuck when her character doesn't know what to say she'll ask another one of her characters so she'll go stand in a different place and that character will know the answer it's totally amazing and to me that's mindfulness that's that's being allowing trying not trying not being in your way of whatever is coming out and i continually try and figure out ways to incorporate that thinking into practice, into teaching, mm-hmm. that allows, I mean, you can see the difference between somebody who's a first-year improv student, somebody who's a five-year improv student, in that every mistake here in the first year is complete calamity, mm-hmm. uh, once again, generalizing massively. And when somebody's got some experience and understands that cl- cl- um, calamity can be the best part of the show. Mm. Some of the best improv shows I've ever seen or best theater I've ever seen is when something went horribly wrong. And that's a terrific thing in terms of what we do, uh, what improvisational narrative theater does is there's an engagement with the audience that is not possible with text yeah. because they're part of it. They are a participant. They're part, partly your story coach and they're engaged in, in this visceral way that I don't think you get a lot of the time, maybe in Hamilton, right? Uh, when you see when you see something that has been scripted. Well, yeah, and especially like with that improv show, leaving as an audience member, I'm always aware of nobody else is ever going to see that show. Yeah, like that was it. That mm-hmm. was the one time that show happened, and how special was that? And yeah, some of them you remember years later, but oh, yeah. most of them you know, they just kind of fade into this general cloud of good feeling you know yeah but but that it's such a delight when that happens yeah so that's cool dan i i like the way that you um you know you talked about meditation which is a a sort of formalized practice of mindfulness and that that can serve to strengthen those muscles in that way that kind of attention but that one can integrate mindfulness throughout one's life in every moment and that it sounds like you're doing that in your life and especially in your theater that there's just always this question of bringing that attention back. I, guess, attention I mean, back. I guess in a way, improvisation just requires mindfulness. So it's not about, oh, let me integrate mindfulness into the way I improvise. It's like you can't be improvising unless you're mindful of this moment, right? Exactly. So mm. it sort of tricks you into being in a mindful in a mindful state because 
when you notice your mind wander, you know that if you're going to be a good improviser, you've got to get it back onto yeah. what's happening in front of you. You've got to be paying attention to what's happening. You know you've only got the moment. So even if you don't realize it's mindfulness that you're doing, it sort of puts you there. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of the ass backwards way that I got to meditation was, oh, I like the fact that we improvise every day. Yeah. Why don't we learn how to improvise? The, what was true for me is, oh, I am practicing this. And I've, I've heard other teachers talk about this. Why not, why not do that in my personal let's life? Let's put a spotlight on it. Yeah. yeah. Why cool. not, why not investigate that a little bit further? Cause yeah. I mm. still think I've just barely scratched the surface and I want to, I want to be, uh, more present overall. Always. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Right on. Anything else that we like? Oh, what what this, should we have asked? This is, yeah, this is left unsaid or like, uh, I don't know. I think, I think that, uh, uh, I think that improvisation is a growth industry. I think that improv is going to be, improvisation is going to be more and more valued in, uh, especially in a world. And I copying this from my own, stuff but i i think i said in in one in the ted talk thing about everybody's sort of downward facing cell phone so there's an there's the pretense of wanting to be more engaged and yeah you're more engaged with the internet but but i think improvisation is about being engaged in real life it's about being engaged in the moment and something that we need more of and i think people want more of like mm. we were talking about the loneliness earlier mm -hmm. that that improvisation is, is not a cure-all obviously but it is a great way to 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 play to uh, be engaged to really listen to somebody else and be changed mm -hmm. and and like yeah, not to sound too pretentious but life is change mm -hmm. and if you can get good at changing and, and adapting and being present I think that's a it's a richer basis to go forward mm. Richard basis Richard Basehart Richard, no. Richard Basis was it used in the no, but was uh, he in Ghostbusters? Yes, uh, but but the idea of of living a more engaged life. Mm. Cool. I think that's and anything anything. Thank you for that. Sure. Anything you want to plug? Do you have any new books out? Or? Uh, I have a Life Unscripted, uh, which is available <laughs> from North, North Atlantic Books. Using improv principles to get unstuck, boost confidence, and transform your life. Yeah, transform your life. Um, uh, yeah, I, and a shout out to to Jeff Katzman who co-wrote this book with me and is terrific in every way. And if people want to come see you perform improv, come down to Impro Theater in LA. Yes, ImproTheater.com, and we're going to be doing the 1966 Impro Theater's 1966 Holiday Variety Spec Extravaganza at the Gary Marshall Theater in December. Nice. Uh, we are also doing shows at our little studio space in December. One is called uh, Home for the Holidays, where the cast eats a real, is it improvises a family and then has real uh, holiday dinner. I got to see that show last year. Yeah. And, and then we are doing, uh, uh, we're going back for, I think this is our 10th year doing Jane Austen Unscripted at the Broad. Nice. Um, which is oh, cool. our holiday tradition. So December will be packed. Nice. Um, and then right now we're doing Play Unscripted, which is a modern um, contemporary play. And we've, we've been reading people like Tracy Letts and Rajiv Joseph and uh, Sarah Rule, Christopher Durang, uh, just trying to figure out how do we 
improvise a modern play. And for the next two months, we were having guests from outside, mm. actors from from other improv schools, from L.A. theater community to come and sit in, which is a little terrifying for them. And uh, we, t- we take good care of them, though. Right? <laughs> yeah, so... Excellent. And, and improtheater.com, is it theater with an R-E or an E-R? It's R-E. Improtheater with an R-E. Yeah, improtheater with an R-E uh, dot com. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Well, Thanks for having me. Thanks so much treat. for taking the time. Yeah, what, a, your, what a joy. Your insights are many, and uh, <laughs> it's really fun to hang out with you. Yeah. Thanks. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Okay. On we go. Let's move on out. Yeah. Ciao, everybody. with Dan O'Connor. Our second this is our second conversation with an improv luminary in the last month and a half. It's true. I'm feeling very heady about it all. Um, what, do, what do you mean by heady? It feels great. We're oh, yeah. interviewing important movers and shakers, people who are like doing stuff out in the improv world. I just I I so love this community. Me too. You bring people in and you're like, yeah, I could talk to this person for hours. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, that was awesome. I love that. Uh, to to be clear, you can get Dan's book in places where you buy books, like Amazon and on the internet. <laughs> Does anybody buy books anywhere else? But yeah, find the book. It's great. Find it's, the it's, book. A, it's not, um, it, it's an easy read. Like it's accessible. Mm. You know, it's like you can take it in small chunks or you can read a lot at one given time. And I find it really affirming and uh, encouraging for getting out and being more adventurous and mm-hmm. all the things we talk about on our podcast yeah. this book is promoting I am I'm in love with the idea of the verb of unscript unscripting yourself you mm-hmm. need to unscript to, to, to shed this belief that you're holding about what story you're in or the role that you play in your story and also I know I already said this at the end of, the, of our conversation but that idea of how much you can relax <laughs> like, yeah. we have so much more things can be so much easier if we if we release the idea that if we do it right, we can get through it unscathed. It's like, no, of course you'll be scathed. <laughs> Life is going to scathe you. That's okay. Like yeah. you're going to screw up and there's going to be mistakes and you're all right. You're still okay. So, yeah. so don't, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Yeah. It feels really powerful. I, li- I also like that notion of unscripted and thinking about where are the scripts coming from? Mm. Like some from parents, some from school, some, some from, from society. general society. Yeah. Some from myself, some from who knows where they yeah. come from. Right. Yeah. But, what are the locks or the bounds or the binds that I put myself in and what what happens when I get free of those? And, yeah. Oh, it's become so much more fun and rich. It's cool. And and I'm also, you know, we've talked about Second Circle on here uh, and the work that I've done with Patsy Rodenberg and that, how precious that is to me. And I can so see that in who Dan is as a person, even mm. as he's sitting here talking with us, see it when he's on stage and how Impro Theater in Los Angeles is just really integrated those insights and the whole company's now operating in the by way that. they work together yeah it's such a cool thing to see yeah. this kind of presence living in action and so that mm-hmm. was fun to to witness yeah and partake in as well yeah so thank you for listening everybody as always yeah and a delight uh, and always you can get in touch with us info at monsterbabypodcast.com mm-hmm. and we'll be here and we'll excitedly receive your missives if you have a secret for Lisa you can just write Lisa at monsterbabypodcast.com that's right or if you want to send something to me a little you know sweet nothing 
that you don't want Lisa to read. Ted is totally open to sweet nothings. Ted at mustardbabypodcast.com. That's right. Now, there you have it. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned for more. We'll be back uh, Next soon. Next time, sometime. Yeah. We love you and uh, be well. Be well. Be well.